the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! they did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. What's up, the generation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the college basketball final four betting preview. I'm stuck in joining me, as always, are my two highly esteemed co-hosts, Mike Calvaries and BJ Cunningham. But now both met in person. Met BJ in Denver over the summer and somehow made my flight. And then met Mike over the weekend in Hoboken at our Elite Eight watch party, which went very well for all those that were backing FAU and UConn. And somehow made my flight. But play, it was a pleasure to meet you, Mike. Uh, you had you had FAU, right, too? I have an FAU 300 to 1 second, SDSU 100 to 1. So I got one of those long shots in the title game, but... At this point, the hedging opportunities are going to be so great if UConn just steamrolls Miami and opens as like an eight-point favorite in the title game. So I'm putting on my Canes hat here for the national semifinals. Yeah, we have a very interesting Final Four. By the way, we'll break down both games. We'll get to our best bets. We'll talk a little props. Yeah, UConn has looked – I mean, for all the talk, we have, what, a a nine, a five, a five, and a four seed. The total collective seed sum up to 23. That's actually not the highest – in tournament history it's the second highest the highest occurred back in 2011 where the total seeds in the final four added up to 26 guess what we're very eerie in 2011 guess where the tourney was houston there were two mid mid majors also in that final four vcu and butler and yukon also ended up winning the national title and beating him in major so uh, if we do, if FAU loses to UConn in the title, uh, history will repeat itself in Space City. BJ, before we get into these games, how was your weekend? How are you feeling? Excited about Caitlin Clark in the on the yeah. Side. I mean, I was Iowa women look fantastic right now. They're obviously going to play South Carolina, who hasn't lost a game yet this season. So that's uh, daunting, uh, but it should be a wonderful, wonderful final four. I mean, she's incredible. Like, it, she is just like the Steph Curry of women's basketball. Like, she is anywhere on the floor. She is available to shoot. And the Iowa offense is just so, so fun to watch. Second ever final four for the Hawks, but uh, great win. She's really, really exciting. No, great weekend. Uh, I also had FAU and UConn, so it was great. Great Saturday, um, then had Texas on Sunday and watched them melt down towards the end. But you know what? It's funny because we talked about how there are no good teams in college basketball. This is the most wide open year. And then it happens and everybody's like, wait, what? I don't want to watch San Diego State FAU. I don't want to see Miami against UConn. Where's Kentucky? Where's Alabama? Where's all the Blue Bloods at? So I think it's awesome. I think the, the, the parody is, is incredible. Uh, I think this is what makes college basketball so wonderful that a mid-major team like Florida Atlantic, if which I was reading that Dusty May actually wanted to back out of the Florida Atlantic job in 2018 after he, he like signed the contract before he even saw the facilities at Boca Raton. And after he saw them, he was like, I don't know if I can do this like because they're so bad. Um, and now suddenly 
they're in the final four, four years later. So it's, yeah, it's, it's what makes, honestly, it's what makes college basketball so great. So um, yeah, I'm excited, but I'm excited for the final four. I think it should be a great, uh, great time in Houston. Yeah, I I love it. I love the as long as there's lines. There's lines. That's all I care about. Yeah, exactly. Um, but if you want to if you want to move the tournament to ninety teams, as long as you line the games, I don't care. Just that's yeah. fine. And we do have three programs making their call it their final four debut, which hasn't happened since nineteen seventy. And if UConn wins the title, they'd win their fourth since ninety nine, I think. And there's that's right. not been no other team has won more than two. Um, and look. We say there's no great teams, but before but non-conference schedule, UConn looked like a powerhouse. UConn is now at the number one on Ken Palm. They were number one per Torvik since February 1st leading up to the tournament, and they have blown out everybody by at least 15 points in the average margin of victory, 22 and a half points. We'll get to that game second before we get to FAU, San Diego State. I want to kind of lay, lay the landscape of the Final Four, just some high-level trends final four favorites have gone 18 15 and one about 55 percent against the spread since 2005 although teams laying six or fewer points as will be the case saturday as of now have fared a bit better 15 9 and one against the spread 62 and a half percent total wise overs have slightly edged unders over that span since 2005 18 and 16 but closing totals of 130 or greater have cashed which both of these are have cashed at 62.1%, 18 and 11. And for whatever reason, you know, these are small sample size. You don't want to take too much uh, from it. But for whatever reason, teams do tend to play a little bit faster out of the gates in the final four compared to the Elite Eight. I mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I think that Saturday and Sunday, it's like, all right, we have to win this game and we can get to that final four weekend. See, so teams come out and they play a little slower, they're a little tighter early. And I think that there's like a stress is relieved you're at the you're at the final four weekend it's like all right we made it um even though you haven't made it to the tournament the title game yet so first half overs historically i think over 30 year period of 58 percent in final four games whatever it's worth small sample sizes you just want to focus on the matchup at hand so let's start with florida atlantic san diego state san diego state two point favorite here over under 132 have to give credit to san diego state i mean we talked about florida atlantic they've been awesome as a dog they're now top 20 in Ken Palm. I actually would make a Florida Atlantic one. I'd make them a slight small favorite over Miami. Um, they don't really have any weakness, this Florida Atlantic team. San Diego State, they're, you know, if you look historically, there's these teams with, you know, outside the top 75 at adjusted efficiency if they have an offense or defense. They never win at all. And we have two of them here. It's We'll talk about later the Miami defense. And then the San Diego State offense, which I think is the worst unit in this game. But they've relied on their defense, which is elite, to get here. Now, I like Florida Atlantic plus two. I, I mean, I make this game right around a pick. And look, you got to give San Diego State credit. They beat Alabama and they beat Creighton without much from Matt Bradley. I mean, Matt Bradley has done nothing the past two games, which is scary. I mean, he's three of, he was three or 14 against Creighton and Alabama for eight total points. He's their leading scorer. Only, only guy on the team who averages double figures. But, so you have to give them a ton of credit for just getting by those games without their best player. But it helped that Alabama Creighton combined for 5 of 44 from 3. 11 it's and insane. a half percent. It's just insane. <laughs> for the entire tournament, opponents are 16 of 94. 17% from 3. That's simply unsustainable. I mean, over a small sample size, anything's sustainable. 
Now, San Diego State has held teams to 28% from three on the season, which is second best in the country, only behind Tennessee. And guess what? Florida Atlantic already beat Tennessee, and they weren't even hot from three. And Florida Atlantic's only shooting 31% from three in the tournament. They're a 36% three-point shooting team, the best three-point shooting team that San Diego State will have faced in the tournament to date. I think the Owls have the personnel to score enough points to get this done, and I think San Diego State will go through enough droughts where Florida Lance is going to win this game. I think it's going to be super close. But what you need against the San Diego State, they give up a ton of threes, but they're elite. They Look, they're, they're a, elite at closing out. They have elite length, and they have a great game planner. So you, you can't, you know, so you're going to get, you have to make contested shots and you can't have like just rely on one or two guys because San Diego State's scout is so good that they're not going to let those one or two shooters beat you. Well, Florida Atlantic plays four guys most of the time on the floor. You can shoot, they can move the ball, run great action. They obviously have proven that they can deal with the physicality, which is always a question when you're dealing with the San Diego State ball pressure and, and their elite closeouts in length. So, look, I think you can't really focus on one or two guys. And this is the team that shoots a three at a top 50 rate nationally and makes it at a top 50 rate nationally. I think they're the real deal. I think Florida Atlantic is going to win this game. And I think what we talked about all year, that, that you know, you can't have one main flaw. And I think there's going to just be one or two too many extended san diego state droughts it's not going to be easy but i like fau and the owls we're going back to the well saturday night expect some owl gifts from my account mike i'll throw it to you first will you be joining me so for starters i, I want to say some nice things about both of these teams because they deserve it um but obviously the key here is can fau overcome another elite defense they played eight games against top 60 defenses this year. They went seven and one straight up. Their only loss came against UAB. They won in grinders against North Texas. They were able to crack Tennessee in the second half, and they scored a ton against K-State and were able to hold them off there at the end. Five and three to the over in those eight games. So they were able to speed those teams up with the exception of North Texas. I think that's the real comp here. It's Ken Brian Dutcher, who spent – over three decades as an assistant coach, purely as a game planner before he finally became a head coach. So it's his bread and butter. And when you look at their advanced defensive metrics, they're just lighting up the board. They're first in adjusted D by Bart Torbeck in the last month. So we know what San Diego State brings on that end. It was an interesting point that the guys from the three-man we brought up. Yes, it's ridiculous that they're holding teams at 17% from three, but they were elite the entire season as a perimeter defending team. And one of the elements that it helps them accomplish that is they force teams to go late in the shot clock all the time. So you end up with those bailout shots. You end up with the contested shots. So I'm not banking. Well, that's what happens when you're great at the rim. And then you can pressure the ball on the outside, which it will help FAU. They have multiple ball handlers. Like you saw with Creighton, uh, it, it was like the, they were struggling to get into their offense. And then all of a sudden you're taking a four shot and contested force late shot. Of course it's going to. And then when you have elite length, like San Diego state does, and they have elite scout, of course, teams are going to shoot a poor three-point percentage. Now, this is a little extreme, but go ahead. Then the Matt Bradley angle for me, like it's like me on the blackjack table. The dealer keeps getting six. I'm like, eventually he's going to bust. Eventually something, Matt Bradley, is going to play better than – I mean, he was the preseason player of the year in the Mountain Conference. He finished the year as a first-team all-conference player. He's six for 27 in the last three games. If we want to talk about shooting variants, I think it should be on the table on both sides. 
him shooting 22% in the last three games, if he can get to 12, 15 points, I think they're, they have an opportunity to have just enough offense. But if he doesn't, Trammell has really stepped up. I mean, he's been the saving grace. It's not a huge shock to me because he carried such an offensive load at Seattle. He was a high-volume shooter there. They didn't need him to be that for this entire season. But when you look at what he's done the last three games, 15 points per game, 4-1 to assist to turnover ratio. And how has FAU handled small guards, you know, those guards under 5'10"? Well, Noel gave him 30. And Fairleigh Dickinson's point guard, Dimitri Roberts, had 27-4 and against him. So I'm going to see another big game from Trammell here. I think it keeps a minute. I think San Diego State keeps this ridiculous low-scoring win streak going. I think they play it at their preferred pace. And I think every time it becomes a coin flip in my mind, I go back to Brian Dutcher. 58% or better against the spread in three scenarios, when he has four-plus days prep on neutral floor and when he's a favorite since he's taken over at SDSU. I'm going to hitch my wagon to that. I'm going to go Aztecs. I wouldn't play it past two and a half, although I don't think that's where the market's headed on this game. So I'm going to go with the Aztecs to advance to the title game. All right. Well, not only am I against you on the pick of the spread, I'm against you on Trammell with, uh, I'm going under on his points total. Um, what, what's so we are like, we, we couldn't, 10 and a half. We could not be Ooh. more more opposed in this game. So I'll make my quick case before we get to BJ. He's only cleared that number at 16 of 36 games, about 44% with a, a median of seven points. From pure numbers perspective, it makes sense. Uh, I project it closer to nine, as does uh, our, I think Nick Giffen, our prop extraordinaire is at like nine and a half. And it's not like Florida Atlantic plays at a super fast pace. In fact, this is the slowest paced opponent San Diego State will play in the tournament so far. I mean, look, Alabama and Charleston were each inside the top 30. Florida Atlantic's outside the top 150. So you can see another grinder here, which means limited possessions. But, and and look, Jamal is, he's in the, he's very reliant on the three in that in the 11 games, he's made multiple three-pointers. He's averaged 15.6 points per game. It's only done it 11 times. In the 25, he had less than two. So if he only had made one or no threes, he's only averaged seven points per game. And he scored more three, more from three than two on the season. He's only shooting 40% from two. And he's going up against a Florida Atlantic team that does a good job running you off the three-point line. And they're number 11 in the country in two-point defense. So, yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point with the smaller guards, which has me a little hesitant. But I also, one of my reasons for betting this is, and because I think FAU wins, and you think San Jose wins, I, I there's less of a probability in my eyes that will have free points at the free throw line late. But where I do agree with you is I do think Bradley's due for a big game. So the scoring onus on Trammell will be a lot less if that occurs because Bradley hasn't been scoring, which is why Trammell's kind of picked up the load. I mean, he's just been off. He was in foul trouble one game, and he just didn't have any confidence. So if he gets going early, you could see Trammell be more of the facilitator. Um, so, yeah, I do have a – I do have a – where we do agree, we don't agree on much in this game – is that I think Bradley's going to have a big game, which would take some of the scoring load off of Jamel. And I do think this will be an outstanding competitive. I just, I said it right when the Creighton game started, I said, I, it's hard for me to see either one of these teams running away from each other, from one another. I think that's the same case here. I think we should get a really entertaining competitive first game on Saturday night. BJ, let me throw it to you. You want to break the tie here. Owls or Tex? 
I actually am leaning more towards the total. I, I don't really see much value in, in either side in this game. If I had to take a side. Don't I, ride I would... the fence. Just take, if you pick a side, you mean you don't bet it. You got to break the tie. Okay. I'll take San Diego state. Um, right, what, you what, uh, you know, you guys have obviously, you know, mentioned how great San Diego state's three point defense has been throughout the tournament against Charleston. They only allowed eight or three open three pointers against Furman. Who's not a high, like, you know, when they faced Charleston, Alabama, and Creighton, who were three very high volume three point shooting teams, Furman isn't. But, you know, obviously, like Michael mentioned, they're going 17% from beyond the arc. Only one open three pointer allowed against Furman, only one open three pointer allowed against Alabama, and only two open three pointers allowed against Creighton. They were eighth in the country coming into the tournament in open three point rate allowed. So, like you guys mentioned, everything is contested. And to your point, Michael, about how everything gets late in the shot clock. I mean, there, there's a stat for that on Ken Palm. It's average possession length on defense. San Diego State is top 25 in terms of making the possession as long as possible on average, 18.5 seconds. So there is something to that. Now, does three-point variance catch up with them? Like, obviously, you know, they're not going to allow 17% for the entire tournament. That's kind of insane to think about. So does Florida Atlantic get hot from beyond the arc? Which Florida Atlantic did have a good three-point shooting day against Tennessee. They did get... By the way, as a listener and on the host right now, I have no idea where you're going, if you're going, taking this to the over or the under. Sorry, I was was going to the under. No, I like it. I like it. You know, some some intrigue and mystery. How are you going to wrap this into whether... (laughs) I'll I'll get to it here. I'll get... I'll wrap this up here towards the end, but... Like, are they going to get hot or are they not? They might. Like, you know, you have to, right? there's obviously possibilities of what can happen, right? When you're betting, but you're always, we're trying to bet what the most likely thing is going to happen. So facing a Tennessee team that was outside the top 150 and open three point rate allowed, they did get five open three pointers. So what my point is, is Florida Atlantic, everything is going to be contested, just like you guys were saying. Now, the flip side of it is Florida Atlantic, they're a very analytical team, just like Alabama. They're 11th in the country in three point and rim rate. San Diego State is, for overall for the season, pretty average at defending at the rim. So that's where Florida Atlantic could have an advantage. But Florida Atlantic defensively, you know, obviously if you're going to face San Diego State, you got to be able to defend mid-range jumpers. Well, Florida Atlantic has seen the 13th most mid-range jumpers in the season playing in Conference USA. And they're a top 15. Yeah, they play drop. They play drop, force yep. you, run you off the line, force exactly. you to take mid-range. And that's, so they're, you know, they're if abs- San Diego State's on, especially Bradley, that's where they're right. comfortable. So they're absolutely ready for what San Diego State is going to throw at them. Now, then finally wrapping this all up, I think the pace uh, argument, I think, is, is is a fascinating one. Because if you look at the game against Alabama, I mean, San Diego State got sped up, obviously, because Alabama is one of the fastest paced teams. If Florida Atlantic obviously sped up the pace against Fairleigh Dickinson and, and against Kansas State. But Tennessee slowed them down to a to a 58 possession pace. And San Diego State Creighton, which, you know, Creighton plays at a very, very similar pace to what Florida Atlantic does. I mean, that game was 62 possessions. So if if this game gets slowed down to that type of pace, that 62 to 65 possession pace, it obviously favors San Diego State. And if you're defending the three-point line as well as they have been. I think that's going to lead to a very low scoring type game along with how Florida Atlantic is able to defend from the mid range. So I actually do like under 132 points. Uh, I think that this game, uh, if it's played at that slow pace could uh, see kind of a slog and, and shooting in a stadium, obviously for the first time, you know, there's always that angle. Yep. All right. Well, there you have, we have a case for FAU and this is what we should have in the final four. I mean, lines are fairly efficient and you kind of want to, at this point in the season, you're kind of taking a stance on, one of these teams and BJ likes the under. So we have 
uh, and a little prop in there. Do you guys have any thoughts on the player props for this game, or are you saving it for next? Yeah, I, I like over 17 and a half on points, rebounds, and assists for Matt Bradley. Um, yeah. Beyond just... We agree, the, we agree. There we go, Mike. We agree. Yeah, yeah, I mean, get him in the mid-range, can two or three of those in the first half, you know, start to feel himself. Despite his cold streak, he's gotten up 42 shots in the last four games. So he, he hasn't taken himself out of the game. He is capable as a rebounder to go in, get four, five, six boards, and he's a capable enough passer to get three or four assists. So really what I'm looking for here, the key number I've circled is if he gets to 12 points on the floor, I think this flies past the 17 and a half. So I'm going to go and play him at really the lowest the market can possibly be on him at this point. Yeah, like that. You're buying low here um, on Bradley. PJ, any player props here or are you saving for the next game? Yeah, I'll be quick. Uh, Micah Parrish, under one and a half three-pointers. You know, you mentioned Nick Giffen and Sean Corner are props extraordinaires. Um, you know, they have Parrish projected right at one three-pointer. He went completely ice cold against Creighton. Uh, went 0-5 from behind the arc, only played about 17 minutes. Throughout the season, he got really, really hot in Mountain West play, was hitting around 40, a little over 40% from behind the arc. But in non-conference play in the tournament, he's only hitting about 30% from, from three-point range. He's gone under one and a half three-pointers in 24 of his 36 games. So uh, under one and a half at minus 140 is, uh, I think, is a decent price. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna join you, Mike, you comment on that Bradley prop, which I didn't have my eye on, so I like that. Um I don't mind that Parish one either, BJ. Okay, before we go any further, as a reminder, Big Bets on Campus is presented by BetMGM. So get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and get up to $1,000 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. That is the bonus code ACTION. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right, let's move on to our second game of the night between Miami and Connecticut's going to be the mid-majors battling it out first. And then we have the power conference scenes. The ACC is left, as well as the Big East. And our podcast future is still alive in Connecticut, who's pretty much even money. I think they're a little, like, favorite, minus 115. Um, it differs a little bit. Always shop around, as always, to win it all. Um, so we're sitting in good shape, if anyone followed that future. But they're five-and-a-half-point favorites here over Miami. Total 149 and a half. 
said it before, UConn has been just on fire. They have blown out four teams all by 15 plus average margin of victory, 22 and a half. We knew they had an elite defense. We knew that they had elite length and size. We knew that they could rebound. And it was just the offense. Could that that was the missing puzzle piece. The inconsistent. And now the offense is humming. Now they're shooting what 43, 44% from three for the tournament, which is crazy when you consider that they've played who? Arkansas. St. Mary's, St. Mary's, Iona, all like top, top, top three point. Gonzaga is not a good three point defense, but the, those three teams are like top fifty in preventing threes and and guarding the three. And there's they're just too much size, and then they're moving the ball too well, and they're just so connected right now. They're getting open shots, and then when they miss, they can get rebounds, they get layups, they get dunks. I mean, this team is dangerous right now. Is this the peak of their market value? Is the question. On the flip side, you have this Miami team who, look, they're outside the top 100 in adjusted defensive efficiency, which means they're not supposed to be here, but here they are, and it's because of their electric guards in addition to just super efficient play out of Jordan Miller, and North Shadow Mir has been amazing, and this is a team that, like, they're just defending better overall, and they're attacking the glass. Like, they were even with Houston on the glass, which is insane for this team. They were supposed to get crushed there, and then they drop, you know, they were, remember, they were down seven or eight to Drake with five to go in the game. This could be Drake, by the way, you could have three <laughs> mid majors. And then since then, you know, Drake melted down against the press. And since then they've Miami has what dropped 86, 88 and 89, something like that against Texas, Houston and Indiana. Uh, and look, even against Texas, they, they only had, they were two of eight from three. They are just, and they shot like 60-something percent. They are, offense is humming right now. Does it matter about your defensive deficiencies if you're just going to drop 90 on everyone? No. The question is, can they keep dropping 90? Uh, I make the line UConn minus seven. I'm super high on UConn. Still have questions about this Miami defense, but all who am I to doubt them? And shout the Jim Laranego has now brought my, this Miami team and George Mason to the final four. Miami, including the postseasons, 22 and 10 against the spread on the year, 68.8%, covering by more than three games on average. The only team that has turned a larger profit for betters this year is Utah Valley. Even more impressive, they're 18 and three against the spread, 86% as either an underdog or favorite of less than six points. That includes nine and two against the spread as an underdog. I mean, this team has just been straight cash as an underdog, and that includes one game where Omir got hurt in the first minute against Duke. So really, it's 9-1 and one against the spread. The way I see this game playing out, I just – I don't see Miami having enough in the post. Omir might get in foul trouble, similar to Timmy. And I, they're going to have to try to help down low. UConn's going to get open shots. Look, UConn has an elite offense. Miami has an elite offense. And then you know, UConn has an elite defense. Miami does not. Maybe UConn clear – Pulls off from three, they're going to get open shots. Maybe they can't keep shooting 43, 45%. Maybe they can on open shots. Uh, but I, I just see that's the difference. Like two offenses that are clicking on all cylinders right now. Like these offenses are firing. But I trust the UConn defense more, um, significantly more, which I think is the difference. But I'm not getting in the way of this Miami underdog covering machine. So be rooting for UConn for the future. Probably have 
UConn money line in some form or fashion, maybe pair it with a baseball bet or just bet it straight on the money line as I've been doing the last couple of games. Mike, let me throw it to you first. UConn minus five and a half, six-ish, 149 and a half. What gives here? Does, the, does Miami just keep dropping 90 on everyone? Or does UConn continue to steamroll everybody? I mean, if I can get six, I, I think I'm going to take the Canes. And to be honest with you, the way you just laid it out, all these elite defenses getting shredded, I kind of think that favors Miami, where it's like they they know they're not going to come in and hold you know UConn to 68 points or something like that. They know the exact game flow that they need. And then when you look at March Madness in general, we talk about this preseason, during the season, building our brackets, guard play, guard play, guard play. They got the best backcourt in the Final Four. I mean, Wong, Pack, and Miller – are all averaging at least four more points per game during this tournament than they were pre-tournament. So Miller's uh, making himself some money, by the way. Exactly. All three of them are cooking. Profiles for the perfect NBA guy. Exactly. And then Amir's doing what we all hoped if he was healthy. He's got 13 boards per game. I agree that he needs to stay out of foul trouble, and it'll just be – absolutely curtains for them if a similar they have no depth there and none, yeah, yeah none none whatsoever and then against the yukon size if he gets in foul trouble just like with timmy uh like deep foul trouble live bet yukon and just as like a heads up to our audience just because this is the final four and there's only three games left do not feel any pressure that you gotta you know hit those five ten unit plays to like make back it's just one game and for one game, I'm not going to look back and think to myself, I passed up an opportunity to take Jim Laranega in an underdog spot against Hurley. Because I don't I don't think That's all fair. of a sudden Hurley became this savant coach. Yes, they made adjustments during the season, and it certainly made their offense much more difficult to guard, put a lot of players in a position to do what they do best. And I respect that on a seasonal basis. But Laranega, if you go back to when he started at Miami in 2011, he's the sixth most profitable coach as an underdog against the spread in high major basketball. So it's not just a flash in the pan this year with great numbers that you were listing off. He always does this, and he's a great in-game you know, coach in terms of adjustments. So I'll go ahead. Like I said, if I can get six, I'm going to snap it up one unit, just one game. But I think the fact of the matter is this is banking on another double-digit UConn win. And even if they just shoot 35% from three, as opposed to 45%, maybe Miami can hang around for 15 rounds. BJ. Yeah. I thought the game against Texas was quite interesting because Omir did get in foul trouble towards the beginning of the second half around the, you know, 10, nine minute mark. And Texas just kept taking, you know, fadeaway mid-range jumpers just over and over and over again, just had horrible shot selection. And eventually Omir was able to play the rest of the game and Miami obviously made come back and came back and won, but this I think that's where they missed Isu, though. Like if they had him yeah. too, it could have they could have made him play right. a little bit more. But yeah, exactly. But yeah, your yeah. point's well taken because Bishop, the game before without him, I mean Bishop went nuts. So yeah, I mean credit exactly. to the Canes and to 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 Mike's point. Yeah, I mean I'll take Larinaga, uh over Hurley from just a pure coaching perspective. But go ahead, BJ, finish. Right. So what I find interesting is this is the first time in this tournament that Miami is going to face a high volume three-point shooting team. So Drake, Indiana, Houston, and Texas are all outside the top 150 in three-point rate. Well, Connecticut's 65th in three-point rate. They're hitting over 30%, 36% in the season, over 41% during the tournament. Miami against Indiana allowed nine open three-pointers against Houston. They allowed 11 open three-pointers and then against Texas and Drake, they only allowed three, but for the season, I mean, they're outside the top 130 in three-point field goal percentage allowed. They're outside the top 150 in open three-point rate. So 
I went back and looked because I was like, okay, when's the last time they faced a high volume three point shooting team and how did it go? Well, if you go back to the ACC tournament, Wake Forest was without their best three point shooter, Damari Monsanto. And so going back even further, Pitt went over 41% from beyond the arc them in the regular season. Then when they faced Wake Forest again in the regular season, they went 15 of 35 from beyond the arc. So if UConn does something similar like that and they just keep shooting the lights out from deep, like I don't see a scenario where Miami hangs in this, but again, they like, they just keep putting up over 80 points in some of the best defenses in the country. So I don't really know what to think at this point, maybe the elite guard play takes over and Miami's able to, to win that way again. So I think it really just comes down to is can UConn stay hot from three point range? Like if they have a, an off shooting night and Miami's guards can continue to take over, like, yeah, Miami and Jim Laranaga is an underdog. I can absolutely see him the winning this one. So I'm with you, Stuck, where I like Connecticut. Like, I think there's a little bit of value on them. But, like, so, like this Miami offense, like, terrifies me right now with how efficient they are. And Omir being healthy and being able to neutralize Sonogo on the in, on the boards is huge for Miami, you know, because they're obviously a very average defensive rebounding team overall for the season. But Omir is one of the more elite rebounders in the entire country. So him being able to neutralize Sonogo because, obviously, UConn is the second team, second best team in the country in offensive rebounding percentage is going to be huge for Miami if they're going to hang in this one. So if UConn's able to dominate the glass and Omir gets in foul trouble – like it's pretty much lights out for Miami, but if UConn's not shooting the ball well and Omir stays out of foul trouble, like Miami absolutely can win this game. From a player prop perspective, Mike, anything here? There wasn't anything that jumped out to me. Um, I was hoping to get some good numbers on the UConn guards to cool off, but I think the market's pretty well calibrated. So I'm keeping my money on the sideline in terms of a prop bet. BJ, anything for you here? Yeah, I'm actually going to go Sonogo under eight and a half rebounds. You know, I, I mentioned our, our prop extraordinaires. Uh, they have Sonogo projected for 6.7 rebounds, so under eight and a half, uh, minus 135 at BetMGM. He's only cleared over eight rebounds in, uh, or he's, he's gone under eight and a half rebounds in 24 of his 37 games. He's actually not like this elite offensive and defensive rebounder. He's outside the top 130 in both offensive and defensive rebounding percentage. And like I just mentioned, he's going against North Chad O'Meara, who's, you know, a top 35, both offensive and defensive rebounding uh, player in the entire country. So if he stays out of foul trouble, he'll be able to neutralize what Sonogo actually does. And if you look out through this tournament, you know, he got eight rebounds against St. Mary's and Arkansas, who are two really, really good defensive rebounding teams. And, you know, when he played Iona, he got a ton of, of rebounds against Gonzaga with Timmy out. He got a ton of rebounds. Uh, so when he's actually facing a good, uh, defensive rebounder that can neutralize him. Uh, I think that'll keep him under eight and a half rebounds. I'm going to go with uh, Nigel Pack under 14 and a half points. Oh, and by the way, that's, that's a good look, BJ. I'm, I'm going to look into that one as well. Uh, on Pack under 14 and a half, similar to the Tramel prop, another smaller guard, uber relying on the three on a team that I think is going to lose. So what does that mean? You know, you don't have three points at the free throw line late. But just but on the surface, Pack averaged 13.8 points per game, median 13 and a half. Cleared this 16 of 34 games, about 47%. So surface-wise, it makes a little sense. It's it looks the, you know, it's a a tad high, but not by an egregious amount. However, number one, this will be one of the best defenses Miami's faced all season. And I think the length of UConn is just going to give Pack a lot of trouble. And his scoring is really correlated with his three-point shooting. He's a 41% career three-point shooter. He's only made two more field goals from two than he has from three this year. In the 13 games that he made three or more threes, he's averaged 19.8 points per game, median of 21. 
So 13 of his games, three or more threes, he's gone off. In the 10 where he made exactly two, that average drops to 11.5, median 10.5. And And finally, when he only has made zero or one three-pointer in the game, the average 8.8, median 9. So as a result, in the 21 games, that's about 62% of his games, that he made one or two threes, zero, one, or two, I should say. He only averaged 10 points per game with a median of nine. Well, you know, unlike Houston, it gives up a ton of threes. UConn, I would argue, you could say they have the best three-point defense in the country when you look at how much they give up and what their percentage allowed is. They're top 15 in both. I think they're 12th in three-point attempt rate allowed, and then I think 13th in three-point percentage allowed. You just can't get threes against them. I think he's really going to struggle with their length. They won't have to help inside. So I think it's going to be difficult for Pack to find his open threes. And when he does, it's tough for him to go over this number. I think it should be closer to like 12 and a half, 13, which is where I spoke with our prop guys too. They're right around that same area code as well. So I'm going to go with Pack under 14 and a half points. Uh, all right, before we get to our best bets and close things out, let's go with predictions. I'm going to go repeat of 2011. I'm going to say UConn and a mid-major dance on Monday night and UConn wins again in Houston and beats Florida Atlantic in the Owls. Mike, I take it. You disagree. You're going to have San Diego State. You have San Diego State and FAU for your futures. I have, yeah, I have futures on both. As I said, the hedge opportunities are not so profitable if UConn yeah. advances, but I do believe that's how it's going to play out. I'll call it 64 60 San Diego State over FAU. And I think UConn's going to be tested. I think they're going to end up uh, winning by three or four points over Miami, and it's going to be an exhale moment. And then they're going to drop the hammer on SDSU on Monday night and win by 15 points. So I think the Huskies are going to cut down the nets as the national champs. BJ? I say that uh, San Diego State beats FAU 58-54. to UConn and Miami uh, play a very, very even game up until about the 10-minute mark, and then UConn just pulls away. And then UConn blows out San Diego State in the national title game. All right. Well, we agree on the UConn piece. We will see what happens in the first game because we are opposed there. We'll do some giveaways, uh, at least some five-star five reviews. Thanks to those who have. You'll be in the running, too. We'll do giveaways on our show for Monday, national championship. It'll be a quick, quick show. Um, just go over the game, a couple of props we like, and then we'll do some giveaways. So five-star review, just say who you side with. Me? One on two, I need some help here. Or Mike and kind of BJ, kind of forced them into it. But appreciate all of you listening as always. But we do have to just give out our best bet. Could be a prop, could be you know a future, could be a side or a total. Uh, I'll start things off. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with FAU plus two. Uh, Say to my case earlier, I think the San Diego State offense. It's the weak unit. I think it's finally going to catch up to them. I think FAU can space them out, spread the ball, deal with their physicality, and there's going to be some looming three-point regression that favors FAU and the Owls on both fronts. Right They're, They probably can make some more in San Diego State. Their defense is excellent, but I don't think they can keep doing this to teams. So 
Yeah, I think there's going to be a couple too many droughts for San Diego State. I know that's not going to be your best bet, Mike. So where are you going? Are you going with the text? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Aztecs. Hail Montezuma. Going to go an interesting angle here, though. I think it's binary. They do not have the offense to keep up if this game gets sped up. So I'm going to take the money line. I'm going to take the under. I think this under, I think this total is off by about three or four points. When you look at games like FAU against North Texas, I think that's going to be closer from a stylistic perspective for what we're going to see. At least that's what Brian Dutcher wants to get done in this game. And then also I'm a little bit fearful of the venue in terms of the three point shooting overall for both teams. So when you parlay the under 131 and a half with the Aztecs money line, it's about plus 240 plus 245, depending on your book. So that's going to be my best bet. Nice. BJ. I'm going to go with that under 132 points in San Diego state FAU San Diego state's ability to contest the three point line is not something that Florida Atlantic is going to has seen so far this tournament combined with the fact that Florida Atlantic is very, very good defending from the mid range. And from a pace perspective, I don't think there's anything that suggests that Florida Atlantic is going to be able to speed up San Diego state to the pace that they played against Alabama. I think it's been played more at the pace they played against Creighton right around 62 possessions. And if it's right there, uh, I believe that's going to lead to a very, very low scoring type game. So under 132 and a, under, under 132 for me. All right. Good stuff, gentlemen. Thanks as always to everyone out there for tuning in. Thanks of course to Mike and BJ for joining me. Thanks to our audio and video teams on the back end. Thanks to our sponsor, BetMGM. And also make sure you download the award-winning action network app. You can find all of our bets there in addition to an abundance of data and content for today's slate and beyond for yeah, baseball coming up, NHL playoffs. NBA, everything. Um, make sure you check out the app once college basketball ends. That'll do it for us. We have one final show. We also have Big Bets on Campus Live on Saturday morning, 10.30 a.m. Eastern. And we'll be back with one final show on Monday and a quick final podcast episode. But it's been a great ride. It's been a lot of fun, wild tournament. Let's hope for three more good games and some winning bets to close out the season. Uh, it's been a joy doing this once again with you guys and the listeners as always you guys are what makes the show um don't forget those five star reviews subscribe and subscribe to all friend tell enemy and we will catch y'all over the weekend cheers go out Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.